Welcome to the Sustainable Clinical Medicine Podcast. I am your host, Sarah Smith. I am a practicing rural family physician and the charting coach. This is the podcast for physicians and advanced practice providers who are ready to step back from the busyness of their clinical day to share ideas, question everything, and redesign their clinical day. We are redesigning clinical medicine to create sustainable clinical days and create time for our lives outside of medicine. Join us for discussions with world experts who are helping design sustainable models of clinical medicine and the physicians or clinicians who have discovered or designed sustainable models of clinical medicine for themselves. Good morning, everybody. So I have with me special guest, Dr. Diana Mercado, who I'm going to get her to introduce herself. But as promised, I was going to bring in some before and after stories. So in addition to being one of the guest coaches that I have brought into the Charting Champions program, because she specializes in the area of ADHD and productivity for physicians, Um, We also have the opportunity to learn her before and after story. So welcome and introduce yourself. Oh my God. I am so honored and thrilled and humbled and excited and all the above to be here with you today and to be having this conversation. So my before and after story actually is a very powerful one that you help create because you helped me in EWP in what was it october of 2020 when the world was like in the middle of chaos with the pandemic i signed up for ewp empowering women physicians and with that um it allowed us to choose eight coaches and they told us not to book all eight sessions at once but that very first day I booked, I booked all eight sessions at once. And I booked, I was so lucky to have two sessions with you. I booked, you were one of my very first sessions. And then I on purpose put you a, to be my very last session because I wanted to kind of have a before and after because charting was the pain of my existence. I was somebody who was charting 20 to 30 hours outside of work per week. And as being a family medicine physician and working full time and then being the clinical medical director and then working at a nursing home and doing the rounds, I was too embarrassed to tell people that it was taking me that long. I was ashamed because I thought, oh, they're automatically going to know that it's my ADHD that makes me a bad doctor because I am taking so long. The thing was that if somebody had just recorded the amazing encounters I was having, then it would have been fine. But I love the hyper-focusing on the patient, but I hated the admin part of it afterwards. And because in my mind, this was a love-hate relationship, I would keep thinking, but it was a beautiful encounter. And so that would fuel me to write the note. But I was always writing the note. My brain kept telling me, I'm not a good note writer. I am going to, I don't even remember what happened. And so that was my story before and after. Then I get coached by you. And I remember telling you, it takes me like an hour and a half to write each H&P at the hospital. And you're like, it should only take you 30 minutes. I was like, she's crazy. (laughs) And you're like, no, listen, you're going to do 
10 minutes of reviewing the chart and then you're gonna start writing and you're gonna go directly to the assessment and plan because that's the more important part of it. And then you just fill out the details. And so, yeah, at that time I had actually started investing in um, ADHD coach. And so I was able to take some of the techniques that you were helping me with, with some of the techniques that they were helping me with. And I was able to kind of mesh them together to try to help me. And what I came to realize was that I didn't have to accept the system as it was, that just because it had been like that, it didn't mean that going forward, I had to quote unquote, continue to do it that way. So if it meant that I needed to put multiple breaks for me to like catch up, or if it meant I needed to slow down when my body told me I needed to slow down, I needed to do that. So yeah, just in those two interactions that I had with you, like you helped me believe that it was possible and helped me to implement the tools. And, and yeah, and I never set out when I went to that program to become a coach myself. That was never in the cards. But the more that I kept looking around, I didn't really see somebody who was saying, I have ADHD and I need help or I'm a physician and please help. And so I decided that if maybe charting was the pain of my existence, it could have been somebody else's uh, pain as well. And yeah, and so I remember telling you how excited it was and how supportive you were. And, and you told me, don't overthink it, just go for it. And so here we are. <laughs> Very good. Don't overthink it. Tell us about life. Um, I'm going to push you back into the pain of charting. Tell us about your life when you're doing 20 to 30 hours, you said, after clinical hours doing charting. So tell me what was it costing you? What was medicine costing you at that point? Well, you know, it was costing me obviously money. Right. I did the math and I was probably leaving about 70 to 80 thousand dollars a year and times it 10. Right. So that's almost close to over half a million dollars. Right. That's what it was costing. But the money, you know, we all know it comes and goes. But it was really like working another full half full time job. Right. For free. But what it was costing me was all my weekends all my time like in in this love-hate relationship because I was feeling like I was not fully present at work because I was thinking oh I'm not gonna get to my kids thing right and I wasn't fully present at the house because as soon as I would get home like I would try to be a mom but I was so exhausted and then I would go back to pajama charting or I would be resentful and, and I didn't. So it was costing me all my weekends because even though I might have had finally a weekend off. It wasn't really a weekend off because I would come to work. When I would round and then I would sit here for hours and hours and hours to try to catch it up. Or when I was off, I would still come to work and sit down because if I tried to do it at home, like. I just could not because the kids are running around and da, 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 and I'm irritable. So funny enough, 
I don't think I ever got to the stage of being depressed or being anxious, but I didn't even know I was burned out. That's how how unaware I was that I was in the sea, drowning, underwater, unaware that I was underwater. Like I didn't realize. I remember taking that questionnaire that they gave us about burnout and in my mind, I wasn't burnt out. I wasn't depressed. I was just leaving what a physician life was meant to mm. me. Which, which, when you talk to everybody now, I can see it. Like I was in a hopelessness, in a victim mode, and I was pissed off at everybody for not respecting my time <laughs> that's what i i thought they're not respecting my time they're double booking me left right and center these patients are late and that means i don't get to eat and da, 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 da. and so that's where i was at and i didn't realize that some of those things were because i wasn't setting boundaries like i kept thinking they don't respect my time but my husband pointed out i don't respect my time and i was so upset when he told me that. I remember having an argument with him. I was like, I can't believe this. I told him I am paying for one-on-one coaching for my ADHD coach, and that cost me $300 per hour, and I already missed two. That's $600 down the drain, and da-da-da-da-da, and I blocked it. And he's like, so he's like, if you already have it blocked, why didn't you just sit down and do the appointment? And I said, well, they double booked two patients ahead of the time block and one patient after. So I had to, and he's like, so somebody put a gun to your head and said, walk into the room to see that patient. And I was like, well, no. And he's like, okay, so you don't respect your time or they don't respect your time. He's like, I think you don't respect your time. He's like, because if you already asked for it off and it's on the schedule that is off, why don't you just go walk? have your appointment and your the telemedicine thing, and then go back and see the other patients. And then if they say, how come it's taking so long? You, you can ask the person who double booked them to go explain to them why they double booked them when you had, and I was like, well, that makes too much sense. <laughs> and so from little conversations like that, I started to realize that I had to be the most important patient in the room. That if I wasn't well for myself, then I couldn't be well for my patients. And although in this medicine world, we've been taught, do everything first for your patient. I think that's what gets us into burnout because we don't realize that we're in (laughs) self-neglect with just the basic stuff like drinking water, eating food. So charting was the pain of my existence. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, when uh, you said you were hyper focused on the patient in the room, and so I'm curious what that looked like. Was there any charting happening in the room? What did exist in your chart note when you were done? How long was it taking out of the compared to what you were given for the appointment time? Tell us about that. Yeah, so with ADHD, there's something called time blindness. <laughs> so I have no idea whether I'm in the room for five minutes or 45 minutes. No idea. And to me, 
like it doesn't matter because time stands still and I am so engulfed in the conversation that yes, maybe sometimes I'm, I'm ordering something or sometimes putting in like the prescriptions, but I had no rhyme or reason. Like I had no system that you could say, this is what I do before I walk in the room. This is what I do when I'm in the room. I, oh, this is what I do after I walk out of the room. I had no system. I was just doing based on whatever energy I had in the moment and whatever mm -hmm. I felt like doing, right? Mm -hmm. So in the morning, I might have, I am a morning person. So I might've done a lot more. And towards the afternoon, forget it. I don't even know what happened in the afternoon, right? And so it was not until I started um, with my ADHD coach, she told me, use a timer. Like, if you know that you have a time of blindness, like, help yourself. Why are you going to make it mean anything? Just try it. And so using the timer was one of the best things that I could have done because now I had an external cue of I should be moving along. So... I just started to implement systems that were going to not help me only because I was the clinic medical director, but that was going to help the whole clinic so that it didn't seem like I was being, quote unquote, given favorable treatment. So things like having like the nurse practitioner set up a templates that all of us could use, right? Having the nurses start up the note for every provider and put the HPI in there. And so it seems silly, but those meant now we had an open encounter. Like now we had a, a way of tracking had we not even like done anything, right? And so, so it was a little bit of self-discovery in me and what would help me and then me turning around and saying, well, why can't everybody else be helped like I am? And, and why is this extra help? Why can it just be like, it's a teamwork effort because why is it all my thing? And so I, I think that's where the shift started happening. But before I couldn't even think of the possibility of asking others to help me because I thought it was my role to do all of it. Yeah. Okay. And we're not talking about you just as a physician working in your clinic and in long-term care. Tell us about the hats you were wearing in addition to that. Yes. So I was the clinical medical director that, so, and then shortly in 20, in January of 21, I became the chief medical officer of the hospital. And then I was also the clinical, uh, and I was also the, the nursing home director. So I was in all these leadership roles and of course i was a mommy and i had a one and two year old at that time and i was full-time in all those roles and and i was being asked to make decisions for the community right because this is right in the middle of covid where we had to be like okay well let's use the buses to bring food to the families that otherwise might have not had food instead of food going to waste and kids not being fed and let's try to talk to the principal and the superintendent to explain to them how they can safely do things and da, 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 da. so it was a point in my life where i was being pulled in so many directions and I didn't realize that I did have a community before COVID and now it almost seemed like I could like I, I was very 
worried about getting other people sick in case I was like a asymptomatic carrier with COVID, right? And and being cautious of who comes into my house and who. And so it was a time where you were kind of forced to get creative in ways to think outside the box. So that was perfect for me because that's where I then fully embraced my ADHD and I learned to see it as, well, why do we have to do the way things were? Obviously, this is not the way things were. We have to think outside the box. We have to think, okay, we're going to do COVID testing. They're going to be driving through. My nurses are going to come out geared and we're going to figure it out. And they keep driving. Don't come into my clinic, you know? So we, it was a time of innovation and it was a time of being able to all of a sudden see the world as your resources or as your playground, because like now I could talk to you in Canada or I could talk to people in the UK or I could talk to people anywhere about any topic. And it was uh, a time of change, but it was a time of also frustration because when we didn't have PPE, I kept feeling like, you know, I was being sent to war with a fork. Like I felt like almost a sense of like hopelessness or helplessness because I felt a deep sense of this is my duty. But at the same time, I kept telling myself, my oath says first do no harm. And I think I believe that includes myself. Why is it that I am putting myself front and center for this? And, And so it was a very mixed time where I learned the topic of 50, 50. (laughs) where 50% of the time life is exactly as it's meant to be. And 50% of the time it's not And life. It's unpredictable and you get to choose it. And and then you understand the power of dual emotions of like being bittersweet, so to say, like being bitter because you are the leader and sweet because you are the leader and you get to make decisions. (laughs) True. Very true. Yeah. So tell us now about what a clinical day looks like for you in your um, in your day now. How how is it different from before? Oh my god, it's like night and day. I wouldn't have even imagined how far along I've come because now I have systems. And you know, since twenty one, like a seed was implanted in me on the possibility of scribes. You know, but at that time it was just cost prohibitive for my hospital to be able to do that. But, you know, three months ago, well, in in October, three to four months ago, like we finally convinced them to do a three month trial. And like now we have all 10 providers with scribes, virtual scribes. And so that was just kind of like the gravy on top. Like I was already prior to that, I was already you know, doing all my notes um, within the time of my work. But now having put in the scribes, that has shaved off um, about an hour a day. And this month, actually, uh, I just rearranged my schedule. And And again, not just for me, but four out of the six providers jumped on board where we are doing full time outpatient, but like three days a week. So like for me, it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and it's long day, you know, seven to seven. But um, then on a 
once a week or every other week, we do like a Saturday clinic. So that it helps us to bring up all the hours. And and then we do the hospital now. We just did it um, Monday to Monday. So instead of being on call every so often, like now we're on call the whole time, Monday to Monday. But then it's less change of shifts and it's better for patient care because before maybe we would be on call from Monday to Friday and then another doctor would come in on the weekend and then the next Monday another doctor came in, right? So it would be like three change of shifts in one week if that patient was still there. So this way it's only four change of shifts and it's better for patient care. It's better for your mental uh, clarity because now you're not attached to the phone when you're on call and you can actually have three weeks off and so it, it looks so different because we have no more providers on board before it was just me and the other doc and so we were on call all the time yeah. and now there is uh you know six docs and four are taking calls so it's it's more hands on deck and we're all on the same page of wellness and preventing burnout and being able to coach each other through things and investing in ourselves and investing in in the quality of life because you know all of us can practice medicine three or four days a week i think compared to five days a week where you feel like you don't have enough time for anything else and so life for me is amazing because i have now the support but I had to keep asking for that support. It didn't happen right away. It took multiple conversations. It took leaving the emotion at the door, bringing facts. It took being brave and being okay with being said, said no to multiple times. Because in my mind, it was like, it's a baby. <laughs> it's a baby. <laughs> they still haven't shut the door on me. <laughs> right? Because if you they don't know what you need and sometimes i know you don't know what you need i didn't know what i needed but you start somewhere you invest in yourself and you give yourself that opportunity yeah love it so you'd already created for yourself hours of time back in your evenings and weekends and then you added an additional hour per hospital shift day or clinical day yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so when I leave home, I mean, when I leave work, I leave work at work. Right. And, and it's, it's priceless, like for me and for my whole clinic now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Someone's going to ask about inboxes because we didn't touch on that at all. So what did that look like before? Because you were doing all this charting after hours. When was inbox being done for you when you were in the thick of badness with your charting? <laughs> Oh, well, in the middle of that, <laughs> it's so, when I would get so frustrated with the charting, I would jump into that. But uh, InBasket was a hot mess. I mean, I always had the same two to 300, you know, messages in there, prescriptions, uh, you name it. But again, we created a system in the clinic to evaluate what would even come into our InBasket. Like, what could be handled by the nurses? Like, can they do the refills uh, by looking in the chart and seeing um, when was the last time they were seen? Maybe they were seen six months ago. Okay, send them one month, have them do some labs, come back in, 
but and if they don't come, send them 14 days. If they don't come, send them one. <laughs> that will send the message that they need to come in, right? Because a lot can happen. Their kidney can change. They might have had a heart attack. They might have had a stroke. I don't know what might have happened. And so uh, we created systems, but it was a hot mess before. So now when they get their labs, like they come see us within a week of doing their labs. And so it's perfect because then now we have a way to talk to them about the labs and change medications and instead of playing phone tag over and over and over and over. But before it was a hot mess. It was really a hot mess because my CPSI is the 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 provider that we use for our EMR. And for me to go into to something, it would require um me to click on different things and for it to load and then it, it would take me just like a minute for the things to come up and then if i click done then another i wouldn't i would never know what was going on because it was different patients and different and the, they were they weren't all come from the same patient they were all over the place yeah so i had to figure out a way can i print all these so that i can quickly look at them can i task batch them so the there's that's the thing with um in basket that not all tasks are created equally meaning some of them take executive the uh, executive function or decision making capacity energy difference so like yes. prescriptions might send you down a rabbit hole because all of a sudden you're going in looking at labs da, 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 right yeah. Versus if you start the other way around, maybe looking at just the labs without even caring who the name is, but you're like, okay, this one's an A1C of 12. This one needs to be seen, like, and mm -hmm. having a rule in your mind, okay, yes. one to two weeks, one to two weeks. And then you quickly get through stuff. And then guess what? You can train your nurses to also help you when they, if they print that thing out for you to scan them themselves, what is the critical that I should really look at if I haven't looked at yeah, I love this. So it's you first deciding how do I work through this workflow? And then once you understand it and you've set up your decision making around how you deal with that result, then you're able to train or teach and offboard that. That's perfect. Love it. So good. Yeah. And then be, be, being willing and being vulnerable enough to say, like, this is my pain point. Can you please help me? <laughs> and like, you'd be surprised. They want to help you, but if they don't know how to, yeah. nobody can read your mind. Yeah. So I love that uh, you said as part of your ADHD, hyper-focused with the patient in the room. And I think we all agree that having a human to talk to is way more fun than sitting and doing charting. And then you created this second job for yourself, this 20 to 30 hours a week that you would decide to do. And, and when I say decide to do, this wasn't necessarily something you thought that you had decided to do but you decided to give yourself this 20 to 30 hour a week job that you wouldn't get paid for that you absolutely despised so isn't it it's kind of hilarious how we set ourselves up for this part two of our clinical day that we really don't enjoy doing after hours but because we have not really had a system in place to make a plan for it, this is what the natural consequence is. And then you were like, hang on a minute, something's gone terribly wrong. <laughs> I'm now having a lot of cost about this. I'm now not earning money for this time that I'm spending. It's in a, a whole nother full-time job. 
And it's all the things I really don't enjoy about my day, the things that don't light me up, that don't make it enjoyable. I had the same sentence. I love the patients and I hate the job. That was my pain sentence when I started this journey as well. So I totally get that. Is there anything about the, the ADHD part that you think is different for those of physicians who identify as ADHD? So you've given us some of the the ideas of how you used the awareness of what was happening for you and started to say, hey, I need a you know timer. I need a helpful hand. I need a awareness of my difficulties. Anything else specifically that would be helpful for physicians to decide if that could be something helpful to them to know about themselves? Yes. So realize that, that you have strength although you might think you don't because our brains are normally meant to be thinking in the negative. But when you realize what your strengths are, then you know that if you focus yourself into doing that that you love, you're gonna develop that dopamine, which is what will help you to do well in the environment you're in. But sometimes you have to realize that it's not just mindset. You have to really realize that the environment plays a role. And so I I tell people, whether you have ADHD or not, but especially if you have ADHD, you need to create yourself a dopamine menu. What does that mean? Five minutes of something, five minutes of meditation, five minutes of walking outside and just looking at nature five minutes of calling your best friend, five minutes of dancing your Sumba or, or your merengue or just five minutes of like your punk rock music, whatever like fuels your soul. Five minutes of just looking at that like beach vacation you want to go to, like five minutes of something that is going to decrease your overwhelm because we're going to get overwhelmed with between the task switching. We don't like that. Every time we're doing task switching, it's like a little part of us dies. <laughs> and so we get frustrated because we're, we get like, I was doing this thing. Why are you asking me to do that thing? And so realizing that if you have your dopamine menu, you can re center yourself when you get yourself overwhelmed or feel like you're being pulled in too many directions. So when I would feel like I was about to like, you know, scream at somebody because I felt like I was pulled in too many directions and I just want to be like, what? you know, I would go to the restroom and I would start the app, the tapping solution, they have three minute meditations. Perfect. You go to the restroom, you wash your hands, you do three minute meditations, you five minutes. It's, it's like a reset. And so I purposely throughout the day learned to use my five minute of dopamine to help me because then it's like I am self recharging or refueling instead of depleting all that executive function. And so it could be five minutes of squat, it could be five minutes of whatever right? And I know sometimes we all go get the chocolate, the five minutes of chocolate, but that's not the healthiest, but you could, you know, get some dark chocolate or something uh, or check in. What do you, what do you need? Maybe you just need water, like five minutes of something. So that's what I would tell somebody with ADHD or somebody who feels like they have ADHD because they're being pulled in so many directions. Okay. Boundaries is the 
big thing because there's something called rejection sensitivity dysphobia, which is not unique to just ADHD, but it's very real in ADHD, which means that we will feel the emotions like 10 times more than somebody will. And that rejection, like we take it like they're stabbing at us and like we hold on to it and we reminisce and we whatever. And so that kind of causes us to become people pleasers sometimes and we don't have those boundaries of saying no. And so we, instead of saying yes to everything out of obligation, just say, let me check my calendar. I'll get back to you, right? Because for us, it's now or not now. And if it's not in our calendar, it's not going to happen. And so don't overcommit just because you don't want to feel like, oh, my God, I'm the only one who's saying no or this or that. So I would say be very intentional with your attention because we we can quickly go on to another start of the project because it seems exciting, but you, you got to realize, would this be something I want to do in five years from now, 10 years from now? And if it is awesome, if it's not, don't even sign up for it. Or if you just want to try it, okay, try it, but realize that what are you saying no to? Mm -hmm. Like you're saying no to something. Are you saying no to your own sleep? Are you saying no to eating? Like, don't sign up for things unless you really align and you can see how they're going to help you. Uh, and I know that, you know, we, we, like I said, I had a graveyard run finished projects before. <laughs> and so again, there's nothing wrong. We're just long life learners. Most people with, with who are physicians are, are that. And so being aware that, okay, might be a little bit more impulsive than most, then at least that can slow you down enough to realize, okay, what do I need? Do I need a time awareness? Okay, let me get me a clock. (laughs) What do I need? Do I need to say no? Okay, who is a little bit more organized? Who can be my spotter? Who, what do I need to do that only I can do? Mm -hmm. And what can everybody else help me do? Love it. Perfect. Is there anything else you want to tell us before we get your details on where to find you? Anything we missed out? So anything else? All all I want to say is start from where you are. Mm. There's no ahead or behind. Everybody's in their own lane. Everybody has their own unique abilities. Everybody has the internet and can use resources. But you have to attack it or attach it from a, a from a place of how can I problem solve this for betterment of me? Yes. Not because everybody else is telling you blah blah blah, but because for you, what would it look like to not have to worry about those charts when you're flying somewhere and not having to be paid a damn Wi-Fi that is slow anyways, and then you're like mad that you paid for the Wi-Fi and you can't close those charts, right? Like. Why can we leave the computer at home where it belongs? When you're on vacation, you're on vacation. Be present. So invest in you. You are your best investment. How much time and money did we spend in becoming doctors? How many years did we do? Give yourself the same opportunity to invest in your brain because once you do, you unlock it and the world just opens up 
Love that. So where can people find you? Okay. You can find me at ADHD-livecoach.com. I have a podcast too that is called uh, Beyond ADHD, a Physician's Perspective. So if you have ADHD or not, but you maybe uh, help somebody who has ADHD, maybe your partner does, or maybe you have a kid or you want to come share some hacks or or maybe you have a chronic condition that makes you feel like you, you know, you just got to take life in, as it comes and it makes you feel like you can't control the world. Come share the hacks because we all can benefit from your story. And if you're somebody, shameless plug, who um, wants to rest and relax, come join me in Costa Rica in May, because if you can't, you can't see yourself doing something weekly, just come and immerse yourself in hyper-focus for a week and uh, walk away with the tools that you need to implement, but you need to do it. You need to find your community with Sarah, with me, with Dr. Smith, with anybody, you need to you need to do something that fuels you. Yeah, it's it's more fun with friends. I think it's what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> Bring your community because they 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 make you see that you always belonged. You mm-hmm. just didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other thing that you have um, probably sparkled today is that it is possible to have something different than maybe what you're experiencing right now, which is a super fun thing to think when you're in the pain of having this second job that you don't really enjoy and you don't get paid for. Well, thank you so much, so much for being here today. Uh, And we will catch you later. Thanks so much. Thank you for being part of the Sustainable Clinical Medicine podcast. If you'd like to learn more or join us to help you get home with today's work done, go to chartingcoach.ca. There you'll find all the information on the premier lifetime access charting champions program that is helping physicians get home with today's work done with all the proven tools, support and community you need to create time for your life outside of medicine. We would love to see you there. Until next time. Thanks for listening.